We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Welcome to Wine with Megan Mal. We're here to help beginners navigate the world of wine. I'm Mal and I just spilled sparkling wine all over me, but um, I think it's actually, it's, it's given me an idea for like a perfume. I smell like Prosecco. I don't know. I'll put it out there. I'm joined by Meg Brotman, uh, Australia's first female master of wine. Welcome, Meg. Would you buy my perfume? No. Oh. <laughs> You would smell like sure in lived. a few hours, a little bit like nail polish remover. Um, <laughs> so no, but no. the elements of Prosecco, like the pear, mm. I would definitely, I'm a big okay. fan of Jo Malone All right. perfumes and she does a French pear. I don't know the difference between a French pear and a normal pear, but no, All right. you're going to be Fine. stinking soon. <laughs> Well, we'll do this quickly so you can get out. sparkle all the time, <laughs> even if she smells. All right, Meg, what have you been drinking this week? Oh, so this week we opened a Barbaresco from Fletcher. So Dave Fletcher is an Australian winemaker who worked in the Yarra Valley with some fairly famous wineries in the Yarra Valley and then had a thing for Nebbiolo, um, moved to Barolo where he's working with Ciretto, a pretty big producer of Barolo and Barbaresco, mm-hmm. but he has his own brand called Fletcher. Um, he's famously known as Fletch, and I bought um, half a dozen of his wines on allocation from the Prince Wine Store, and we opened his Barbaresco the other night, and it is, as I expected, absolutely delicious, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't have opened it. What, oh, you should have saved it? It's Barbaresco is like baby Barolo, so it's made yeah. from Nebbiolo, less time in oak, so a lot more fruit and forward, high acidity. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, it was infanticide. It was just too, too, young. too young. But we know now, so I'm going to hide those ones away. Yeah. Um, it was just burning a hole in my brain. I could see it every time I opened the wine fridge. <laughs> oh, it. I just want to have it. I just want to have it. Yeah. Oh, is it too late to buy more? No, I think we can probably get some. Yeah. We actually know Dave, so we could possibly yeah. find out where he's, he's selling it. And, you know, he's a, he's a good man. He's a good winemaker. Good wine. All right. And do you have a fun fact for us this week? I do. It's a bit, a bit of wine scandal and shock. So <laughs> in Bordeaux, they famously have these classifications of the wineries from first growth to fifth growth. Yeah. Now that's in the Medoc on the left-hand side, but in the Saint-Emilion they have their own classification which they review every 10 years. Um, and the two top wineries in that are Oson and Cheval Blanc and they have decided with this recent classification to pull themselves out of the classification so <gasps> they will not be, now let me get it right, Saint-Emilion Grand Cru Class A A. They won't exist. They're not going to be there anymore because, not because the quality of their wine had diminished. Yeah. I mean, they still, I'm assuming, are astoundingly good wines. Yeah. But because part of the mix of getting assessed was your presence on social media <gasps> and your oh my God. famousness. Oh, my God. And no. they felt that that wasn't, it should be based on the wine rather than 
your presence on social media. This is insane, though. Like, the um, the French classification system, it is like their religion. It's like, hundreds of years old. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, they take it so seriously. I can't believe they've just pulled out like that. It's sent ripples, I can tell you. And it's now, you know, I, I keep reading article after article. Yeah. Is this the demise of the Bordeaux <gasps> classification? Oh, and my God. Possibly, yes. Because if that is part of the mix, it's always been based on and I'm using inverted commas here, quality of wine. Mm. But it's interesting to see that places like Ponte Canet, which was a fifth growth um, on the left bank, so in the Medoc region, so Cabernet dominant wines, it was a fifth growth but sells at the same price as some second growths because they've really lifted their game in terms of winemaking. So the market has responded and realised that they're producing great wine. And I think Oson and Cheval Blanc are saying, well, why should we be judged on our social media presence? I mean, we should be judged on what's in the glass and our history and our longevity. And I kind of agree with them. And there's like this aspect of like, yeah, maybe consumers should be the judges, not these like French snobby people who are sitting there assessing and using their objective. I mean, you're right. There are French snobby people, but they're also people that um, are invested in these regions and yeah. know the history of these regions. Like, you know, how many Osons have you drunk? Like, surely and there is bias, though. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. when uh, Saint-Emilion famously, because they do it every 10 years, they um, downgraded people, and that is still in court now. So I think Fichier oh got downgraded and, yeah, they're still fighting it out in court. So they don't – they only want it to be open in one way if you get upgraded. They don't want it to be open in yeah. the other way that you get downgraded. So it's – you know, it's kind of a little bit of just theoretical for us because these are wines that we're not going to drink. No. We can't afford to buy. So, yeah, it, it, but it does play into that the auction houses and yeah. everything. Do you think it is good that Bordeaux have this system or do you think it's better if it got broken down and wine houses were more open to do their I'm, own thing? I'm not a great fan of the 1855 classification in today's market. Yeah. There are, there's the 18, wines that were classified in 1855 and the only other – um, upgrade, and I'm talking about the Medoc here, mm. the left bank, um, was in 1973 where Mouton Rothschild got in. Yeah. And there is some scandal around yeah. that, or reputed scandal. Yeah. But there's a thing on with Bordeaux called Livex, which is like a Bordeaux stock market. Yeah. And so they look at the trading prices of various wines. And if you look at the trading prices of various wines, wines that are classified as fourth and fifth growths are actually trading at the same price as some second growths. So people have, some wineries have traded on the fact that they're a second growth. Yeah. And haven't improved their quality with yeah. changes in winemaking. Yes, they've just yes. been, they've just been trading on their name. And so, yeah, I, Again, like Burgundy, know your producer. Yeah. Don't rely on the fancy words, which no one can understand anyway. Well, you know what? From France to something that's much more modern and much more interesting, let's go to Greece, Meg. I can't. I know. People don't really think of Greece as a winemaking region. I mean, they have before Christ history of winemaking. Some of the great varieties that we're looking at have moved, they think, from um, 
Greece to uh, the Eastern European countries mm. and then travelled out to Europe. Uh, Shiraz is one of those. Um, apparently oh. it's one of its parents is Jurassic and some Indigenous grape variety in Croatia. I can't remember what it is. And yeah. then it's moved to France. So Greece has this long, long, long history of making wine and we just kind of ignore it. Yeah, and I was saying to you earlier that, like, I've done a few wine courses and it's always Greece that I cram the night before, get through the test, and I can't manage to retain it because I think there's a couple of reasons. Something like France, at least it's the same varietals as us that they're using and you're learning new names for them in different regions. But with Greece A, I can barely read it, let alone remember how to say these names. True. And it, it is just seems like such a different world. And it's a shame because I know I love Greek wines, but I actually rarely go out and buy them because it's it's hard to remember. It's hard to buy. Well, they're, they're hard to find. Um, you know, I, I found these. These are all at Dan Murphy's. You see more of a presence. I was We were talking about this earlier and I was saying that um, – the new wines of Greece have a lot mm. of EU money about them and pre-COVID they were actually coming out here. And these are the new young winemakers. They may have historical wineries, yeah. but they're they're all about promotion and talking yeah. about their Indigenous grape varieties. Um, so they come out here and they're great food wines. The thing that I find amazing about Greek wines is this acidity, which you wouldn't expect from such a hot climate. You'd expect them to be yeah. flabby and horrible. Yeah. But I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Um this is based on working in Cyprus, which Greek Cyprus. They have a grape variety there called Zinisteri, which is um, a white grape variety and has amazing acidity and mm. it has this huge leaf. And if you go and look at these these Greek grape varieties, they have these massive leaves. And I think the leaves have developed over time in hot climates to shade the fruit. And uh-huh. that gives really? us... The acidity, because with more shading, the less transpiration of malic acid, which is all a bit sciencey. But I have nothing to prove that. But one of the things that you'll see in these wines is this incredible acidity, which you don't expect to get from yeah. hot climate wines. Yeah. They're so cool. Um, you've brought a couple of wines along for us today. Are they the most common ones that we would find in Greece? So the two famous grape varieties that Greece is hanging its hat on are Assyrtiko, which is a grape variety, As- white grape. Assyrtiko. Assyrtiko. Okay. A white grape variety um, grown most famously in Santorini. So Santorini is a volcanic island which has lots and lots of wind. Yeah. And so the way they grow the vines is not on a trellis like we'd expect to see. They actually weave a basket on the ground with this the canes which is what we call the the stems the the one-year-old wood and then nestled in that basket on the ground is the fruit mm. so it's pretty, it's on these black volcanic soils very poor soils really free draining and it's there to protect the fruit from the wind it's amazing i mean what how they, they they're vines that like go around in a circle it's literally like if you're making a crown of thorns. But there's vines coming up from it. But it's it. on the ground and the fruit is in the inside. In the middle. Yep. You have okay, to, find a, have photo, to find a photo. Find a photo and post it. It'll, it'll go on the Instagram. Yeah. So volcanic soils on hills, very, very, very windy um, in Santorini for a Certico. It's 
floral and fresh and beautiful acidity and goes very well with all Greek food. Um, in Australia, there's one producer, which is Jim Barry Wines. So Peter Barry, oh. the son or the grandson of Jim Barry, I can never remember the, the family lineage. Yeah. Um, he was in Greece and said this wine, this grape would grow beautifully in Clare. Does it? Yeah, he's made one. Is it good? It's really good. Awesome. I tasted it um, at a tasting with the new wines of Greece. So mm. we put up um, Jim Barry's Assertico with other Assertico's. It's distinctly Australian, but yeah. it has that familiar backbone of Assertico that you would expect. And with climate change, I've discussed this with a number of winemakers Maybe we should be looking at Greece, Turkey, Cyprus, these hot climates totally. for our great varieties. Absolutely. So, yeah, beautiful, beautiful ones. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we should just get into it. And look, let's say um, we do have a Retsina on the table as well. Do you want to do that first? I don't know. I'm just worried I'm just going to ruin our palates. I might taste it and see how bad it is. Um, yeah, let's go there, right? This is why everyone's listening. It's... Red Cena, right? Okay, for oh. those of you that don't know what Red Cena is, I'm actually is, excited about it this. It is a white Thank wine, you. and once it's been made, they put in a sap, a ball of sap of pine sap, and then they taste the wine, and the pine sap starts to dissolve in the wine, and they taste the wine, um, and then once it's achieved the level of sappiness, yeah. That they want, they pull the ball of pine sap out. Now, the way I'm talking about it being made is the way that I made it when I was working in Cyprus. Yeah. So I'm not guaranteeing that this is how it's made everywhere in Greece. The, 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 there's a story about it that it was it was invented when the Nazis invaded Greece. Oh, what? And the Greeks didn't want them to drink their wine, <gasps> so they put the sap in. To stop the drinking their wine and then develop a taste for it. Oh my god, I've never heard this. Yeah, I don't know how true it is, but that's one of the stories. No, and it. if any of you wonder where the Nazis were, the Germans in Greece. Yeah. Well, there's a great book called Captain Corelli's Mandolin, which is all about an Italian in Greece because the Nazis had invaded. Um, when you're in Greece, Retzina is just fabulous. You love it, and then you rush home after your holiday and you buy it, and you think, "What was I thinking?" So, Mel. What's your tasting note on the Retsina? Your face is not good. Pine or clean? <laughs> <laughs> I can I cannot find any other word to describe it as accurately as pine or clean. It just s- smells like something oh, that you God. would disinfect your bathroom with. I'm just asking Tori actually to get us new glasses because there's no way I'm putting another glass of uh, Tori. beautiful Assertico. <laughs> Tori has never wait. Tori's never had Retsina before. Give her your mic. Okay, Tori, tell us your impressions of Retsina. Oh, I don't know if she can talk. To drink it, I felt like I had to put my like hand over my nose because it was just so. <laughs> the smell was so strong. I couldn't even look past that. It just felt like like a cleaning product. I felt like I was cleaning. Oh, oh okay, my god! Tori's going up to get us new glasses because, yeah, um. <laughs> there is nothing better than watching someone have their first taste of Retsina. <laughs> I had actually forgotten how bad it was. I remember. Um, <laughs> In Cyprus, when I had to make it, um, I kept going down and tasting, going, that's enough, that's enough. And they're saying, no, 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 
no, no, no. There's, there's, there's more to go. There's more to go. And I'm literally like, pull it out, pull the ball out. And when yeah. you do, it's a very soggy, gelatinous mess. It's, it's not pretty. But yeah, that is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's always fun. I don't get how it's continued to be. <laughs> So famous? I think it's just because it's always like a novelty. Like, so I went to a Greek restaurant with a bunch of my friends the other day and I was like, we're here. We have to drink Kretina. All of you have to drink Kretina. And we bought it just for that purpose, basically. I think it's just so famous now. Even if it's not particularly good, it's famous. It is. And the thing that um, in Greece, they they use the traditional system of – uh, grading their wines, uh, the French system, so the appellation. They use the French system. Yes, they do. I guess because they didn't have a system, they're trying to introduce a system of their own. Yeah. They didn't have a system. So this actually says in the back, traditional appellation, and it's from Setentali. I don't know. But um, <laughs> this was $11 at Dan Okay, so to be fair to Retsina, it's not like you went out and bought like the good stuff. Is there My good stuff? senior is at this price. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my experience of Red Cena outside of Greece is uh, supermarket wines when I was yeah. living in the UK because that's when I would go to Greece and it would be £2.99, bottom yeah. of the shelf. And here um, I've seen it in Greek supermarkets, you know, but oh, I've never bought it. I'll do a shout-out to my favourite Greek restaurant in Richmond in Melbourne. Um, it's called of course Bah. It's in Richmond. Swan Street? Uh, yes, Swan Street. Of course. It's called Bahari and you can buy Retsina, but you don't have to buy a whole bottle. They Thank have like God. small <laughs> bottles of it if you just want to taste. Honestly, if you want an awesome Greek feed and just to try a little bit of Retsina, go to Bahari and you'll get the full experience. So are you going to finish that glass? Hell no. I enjoyed a couple of tastes. You know what? The main thing I enjoyed about all this was watching Tori's face. Yeah, if you've never had it, I mean, it's it's kind I, of famous. I, I think I knew what to expect, so I went into it like, like, haha. But Tori just looks like she's going to vomit. But thankfully, they are actually producing some amazing wines in Greece. So this is the one region, yes. the one country that I would actually like to go and make wine in. Oh, yeah. Um, Why, are their methods different than... I just think the grape varieties are really interesting and having yeah. worked in Cyprus with their Indigenous grape varieties, I think that there's um, so much room to move. So yeah. the second wine we've got oh, is... thank gosh. Assertico. This is from Gaia, which is probably one of the most famous producers okay. uh, if you're into Greek wine. Um it doesn't come from Santorini, I don't think. Is Santorini the most popular region? Yeah, most famous for Assertico. Okay. It just says Assertico. It doesn't actually say where it's from. Um, 12.5%. It's called Monograph 2020 and very funky. It is funky. It's cool label. Label. Oh, thank you. I, um, so Assertico is like A-S-S-R-Y, like... It is just not spelt like it should. A S S Y R T I K O. I think it's the Y that throws me. That's why I never know how to pronounce it. My best is Greek. So when I was teaching Greek wines, um, because with WSET there was a lot of, there was a whole session on Greece, and she tried to teach me how to pronounce things. (laughs) 
Ayoyitiko, which means translates as St. George. Yeah. Um, and it took me years. But it's like George Michael. His real name was Yanni or something. Oh, really? Is he Greek? He's Greek. I didn't know that. Go back and have a look at George. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I love George. Can I just say, smelling, it smells wonderful. I haven't tasted it yet. It mm. smells wonderful. Yum. It smells like, um, there's a bit of struck match to start with, which is, I think, the sulfur dioxide. Yeah, it's not sulfur. Yeah. What year is it? 20? Uh, doesn't say on the front. Oh, it says on the back. 2020, so it's still a very young wine. Okay. Um, the thing is with, with Greek wines that I've found is that the acid is so high that the pH, which is the important thing for us, is quite low, which it shouldn't be. Um, but that's why you may get that struck match because the sulfur dioxide's more free. Okay. You tell me what you think. I think that is just gorgeous. I get so much floral. Yeah. The acid is lovely. Like, it is. Oh. And that acid. Just beautiful. It's such a great wine. It's superb. It's almost like. Oof. What can you compare it to? Pinot Blanc? No? Yeah. It's hard to describe anything that's popular in Australia against this. It's really floral. It's really Maybe the closest thing would be a certain kind of Riesling. Yes. Would a Riesling lover enjoy moving to this? Yeah. Definitely. Acid. This is, for me, this is the, there's two kind of grape varieties in Greece that are famous. Malagusa is one, Mm. which is a bit more floral musket. It comes from a musket. Um, There's Philo, Philophora, is that one? (laughs) I can't remember the name of it. But Malagusa is a little bit fatter and rounder. For me, Assertico is, yeah, it is like the Riesling. It's just so fine lined. Think about Greek cuisine, fatty lamb, mm. and how beautifully that would cut through. Oh, like um, Saganaki. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want Saganaki right now drinking that. That is the perfect match. Yeah. Friends of mine make a cretin dish mm. that's from Crete, not because <laughs> they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> the first time they told me it's a cretin dish, I was like, oh, my God, they're Greek. Um, they're going, oh, this is Cretan. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's from Crete, which has got um, – they do lemon and egg yolk and put it over chicken, and that would go really, really well with that. But oh, I God, think yeah. Saganaki yeah. would definitely mm-hmm. – any fried cheese. Oh, my God, I'm going to have Greek food tonight. This is making me crave Greek food. That is – this wine was – Okay, but here's the thing, Ray, is – where did you say you got this wine? Dan's. Oh, it's from Dan's. We can get it from Dan's. That's awesome. How much? Okay, this wine was 30 bucks. How – literally, if you're listening, go to Dan Murphy's, buy this wine at the weekend. So it's in the, the other wines, uh, the foreign wine section, right down the bottom, and they actually have quite a few great wines, including the Retsina, if that's what you want. Um, I mean, get it for fun, let's be honest. this is – I'm glad you like it because I've always loved Assertico. We mm. should do a whole Assertico episode. Oh, my God, yeah. We could do the, the Jim Barry one as well. I, I would really like to taste that. If not, um, we'll just do it for fun. Yeah, no, this is 
This is awesome for a $30 wine. Bit of cheese, bit of cooked cheese. Hell, it doesn't even need to be Greek. But do you know what? I'm For the ultimate experience, especially if you're in lockdown at the moment, which a lot of us are in Australia, go to your nearest Greek place that does takeaway Greek. Get some sort of like sakanaki or halloumi, some sort of cooked cheese. Have that with this one. In fact, this dance that I bought it from, there's a diagonally opposite. There is a Greek restaurant, which we've been to many times. And uh, now I'm craving Greek. Okay. Well, now, Meg, I actually more associate my love for Greek wine with white wine. So I'm really interested in the red that you've brought along. Okay. So the red I've brought along is from a great variety called Zeno Mavro. Yep. X-I-N-O-M-A-V-R-O. It's a 2018 wine. Zeno Mavro. They call it the Nebbiolo of Greece. Um, there are two general winemaking philosophies around this in my experience. One is people tend to treat it as a Bordeaux variety and make a big, full-bodied red and yeah. oak aging. Yeah. Then people go a bit more of a Burgundian route, and I'm guessing that this wine is more Burgundian because it's in a Burgundy bottle. Oh, yeah. That's um, a good hint. It's And so the, it's more about tannin... Um, Balanced with fruit, it doesn't have a lot of tannin. Cinnamara actually has quite a lot of tannin. It is kind of like Nebbiolo, but the beauty about Cinnamara, in my experience, is mm. it ages really, really well. Yeah. And this was again thirty dollars. This is twenty eighteen. Sort of interesting wine to taste. Yeah. Keen. Just pouring for now. It looks almost like a Nebbiolo. In the glass, it's fairly pale. Um, oh my god, this smells amazing! Garnity. I know. Look at this opening up a whole new world of wine to these these people that didn't know. Uh, like I know I like Greek wine. I guess I just I'm overwhelmed by it. The thing is, yes, the names are a little yeah, out there, but. Um, you and I have kind of exhausted the world of wine. Yeah. We know our Merlots and we know our Pinots yeah. and our Pinots and we can't, we're talking about new regions. Yeah. With Greece and Cyprus mm. and Slovenia and Slovakia and Bulgaria, we're talking about whole new great yeah, varieties yeah. and their potential. Yeah. And we just don't know what that potential is. I mean, the Greeks are obviously hanging their hat on Assyrtico and Zinamavro because these are the two that are exported. But this wine is, I think... It smells but there's a, a dusty. Yeah. So it's a little bit you can smell some age characters in it. Um Yeah. I'm guessing there's oak. And it's like um it's fresh fruit, but it's also kind of cooked fruit or Yep. There's a pruniness. Yeah, there's a the fruit. pruniness. There's licorice mm. and a seed. Not far off Nebbiolo in tannin structure. And savouriness mm. and moorishness. Like you just want to eat food, but you need some meat, I think, with this one. Need meat, eat a lamb. Lamb, fatty lamb. I mean, yeah. Greek food. And that's the other thing about Greek food. I was talking um, to Tori earlier about there's a Greek restaurant in Camberwell, yeah. El Rios, we think it's called. Um, high end Greek food. And she, the owner does amazing Greek wine. 
Yeah. And this is where I, I, I've sort of discovered a lot of these mm. wines because they're not readily available. Yeah. And it's weird because we have the second largest population of Greeks outside Athens in Melbourne. What? Yes. I never knew that. Yes. I mean, I knew there was a lot of Greeks in Melbourne. I didn't know it was. Outside of <gasps> Athens. What? So we are Greek through and through. Yeah. And we should be seeing more of these delicious wines. But I think Greece has taken some time to realise, you know, they've had a lot of with the financial crisis. Yeah. They were almost broken. Yeah. Um, and then they, you know, you could retire at 57 on pool pension, which was obviously unsustainable. So they've had a huge financial crisis in the last 15 years. Um, but now to see some of these wines coming out and Google them, find out where you can buy them. Don't yeah. just, I mean, it's, Dan's is doing great Greek wines. Yeah. They have arrived, people. Yeah. Dan's is doing them. You know, we weren't planning on doing a whole Greek episode until we could get these wines so mm. quickly and I could have bought more. They're out there. Um, have a look for them because they are really interesting. This they're is, awesome. This is, you know, they're right? awesome. Yeah. And they age um, beautifully. With the red mag, uh, how would you describe people often like hearing like on a scale of like Pinot to Shiraz, they're probably the most likely things in Australia people are going to know about. How would you kind of put it in those red red wine segments? Would it make sense if I said Pinot crossed with Cabernet? Yeah. Yep. It's not as rich, is it? It doesn't like completely punch you in the face, but it. No, it's more savoury, but those tannins are much boxier mm. and grippier mm-hmm. and gruntier than Pinot. Forget it, it doesn't have Pinot tannins at all. No. Pinot colour and that. Pinot colour, Pinot flavour with that Cabernet tannins. That mushroom, yeah. that um, forest floor yeah. that you get from Pinot, we're seeing in this wine. These are some of the most interesting wines I've drunk in a long time. I'm enjoying them so much. They're fab. Yeah. You need to get Greek takeaway now. Oh, my God. That's literally (laughs) exactly what is happening tonight. Awesome. Okay. Well, as always, I've just run out of time. Um, But please send us a message if you went out and got these wines and had a taste because they really are something very interesting, which is – it's worth giving them a go, at least, and buy and, Greek and food. The thing is, it's, it's surprising and it's interesting and it's fun. You know, in a world where we are constantly blasted with the same old shit every day, totally. This is oh, this is just exciting to see something different that yeah. actually delivers on a level that you didn't expect. It and to. it's true. Sometimes we get hung up on like all the different kinds of Chardonnay and all the different kinds all of Pinot. All the regions. And all the regions. And blah, 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 it's fun blah. to just try something completely different. Um, for a question for this week, it's not a question. I was sent something interesting that uh, they wanted your opinion about. Scott wanted your opinion about a sexier than Fruity Lexia cask. What do you reckon, Meg? I'm handing her the phone now to have a look at sexier this article. Sexier than Fruity Lexia. Sexier than Fruity Lexia. Fancy new two-litre cask wines by a gun Melbourne team. Okay, Bomba and, and Yada. So good restaurants. I think we need to move away from bottles. Yep. I mean, if you look at the data globally, there are more single-person households now than there have been in a generation. <laughs> and not everyone drinks like us. <laughs> That's exactly right. 
So I think there is definitely room for quality wine in, I hate the word goon bag, yeah. in a wine sack or pouch. Um, maybe not two litres. I would almost go... One litre. One litre or yeah. 750 mil. Yeah. 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 What is stopping it? The same... You don't need the cardboard No. We can just sell it. Um, and I, certainly I know my mother loves a glass of wine, found a bottle of wine that she'd opened at Christmas time. In June. We're in, we are now in July. July. This is in June. And because I said to her, have you got any wine? She said, oh, I've got that. I said, mum, when did you open that? She said, oh, we had it at <gasps> Christmas. And I'm like, oh, okay. But don't know, don't care. She's a whiskey drinker. So, yeah, you know, what does she care? And But she would always have, in the past, a cask of wine in the fridge. And I think maybe our problem is we just associate cask with something unpremium and and cheap and not good because, yes, we all know green fruity Lexia. I was the queen of making fruity Lexia punch in my uni days, might I say. I love fruity Lexia. I used to do it with fraud camembert. Makes you sexier. No, it doesn't. Bottle of bottle of lemonade, bit of juice, <laughs> put juice. it in like Pretty a juice. fancy, fancy little punch bowl. Dress it up as much as you like. It's still <laughs> not attractive. But one litre one liter casks. It um, actually it makes or sense. pouches and they collapse, um, but put quality booze in there. It's good for the environment and the technology actually works yeah. in that you can pour a single glass and you can hold on to it for another week and then pour another glass and the second glass will be just as good as the first. And it is almost a real shame that it's been tarnished with a bad reputation because it is such good technology, which people who are so into wellness and, and drinking just every now and then, it would be so good for them. Absolutely. I mean, th- there's nothing, you know, my old mindset says, oh, my God, goon bag, that's disgusting. Yeah. But my new mindset says, why not? And yeah. why not put decent booze in there that's the thing absolutely decent booze. i'm associating the packaging yes. with the quality of the wine yeah and there's no reason why we have to do that we can actually change the quality of the wine yeah and just use that the environmentally friendly sustainable packaging yeah so let's go for it Mel. all right we'll put some xeno mavro and sergico <laughs> in there for you i love it so we're gonna Things that are going up on our Instagram after this episode, we're going to put up a picture of the size of the leaves in Greece, the vines woven into a basket. Did you find a photo? I did. It's really cool. It's beautiful. It's so cool. I can't believe they do that. Um, and maybe we'll try and find a picture of Retsina, how it's actually made, what Meg was describing. And then we will also show you this new wine goon sack thing that is on the market because it is definitely worth looking into. I think it's a great idea. Well, that's all that we have time for this week. The last thing I want to bring up is that we are doing a virtual tasting, Meg. We are. Cabernet. Cabernet. So I'm from the Yarra Valley from Rob Dolan's specifically across vintages. That's it. So if you're interested in, um, we've got what, a Cabernet that is sort of not entry level. It's like a good premium Cabernet, but then we go up and even more to like a pretty fancy Cabernet. Yeah, I think that people don't know the difference between What's a $20 difference? bottle of wine and a $35 bottle of wine. So yeah. we actually want to show them. And then we take that super premium bottle and we're going to give you as well a 2014 to a museum bottle. But I think the most interesting part about this tasting is we are – this. you're, you're going to think we're crazy. Meg thinks I'm crazy for suggesting this. Rob thinks we're crazy. Rob does 
think we're crazy. We're sending everyone out a bottle of faulty wine. Faulty wine. Because people don't know what it tastes like. And when you do that taste at a restaurant, if you listened to that episode with Clint Fox a couple of weeks ago, you know that you're tasting for faults. So we're going to show you what a fault actually tastes like. And that way, hopefully you learn to identify it in the future. And the thing is, you may like it. Some people And there's do. nothing wrong with liking it. That's the thing. That's it. So you can invite as many people as you like over to your house. You just get a screen and like a Zoom link. And we're going to be in live. We'll answer all your questions, even if they have nothing to do with Cabernet. And you just get to enjoy these wines and hang out with us. Sounds pretty fun. And if you don't like it, just pour it down the sink. But the rest of the wines are absolutely delicious. We, we were lucky. We have been allowed into the vaults. Oh, that's it. And you will find, you'll be hard pressed, apart from Rob probably, to find another person who is more passionate about Yarra Valley Cabernet than Meg. I know. We were still on the back of Cabernet. Cabernet. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all we have time for. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll be back with you next week. But until then, enjoy your next glass of wine. Oh, did well.